Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I so love the Lord tonight. If you'd stand tonight in honor to the Word of God. The book of John, chapter 19. The book of John, chapter 19. And verse 16. Everybody say spirits. There are spirits that inhabit, dwell, and live throughout the atmosphere and the conditions of the world. I was told a long time ago by a pastor that towns have spirits. Cities have spirits. People have spirits. And so spirits are real. When I talk about spirits, I mean spirits that not only are around, but desire to attach themselves to you. Last night I talked about names, and we talked about devils that call themselves legion that had actually attached themselves to possess a man until he could not do anything unless it was to the bidding of the demons. But all spirits are not that strong or do not take possession. Sometimes spirits come to distract, to oppress um, even believers. I want to talk tonight about one of the worst spirits of all. John 19, verse 16. And this spirit is alive and working today. I happen to travel some, plus pastor a church. And I'm here to tell you tonight, and I'm not a negative preacher. I've been here enough for you to know that. I'm a positive preacher. I believe it's a day of revival. But I'm here to tell you that it's harder to pastor today than ever any time I've ever pastored before. And uh, it's harder, amen, to uh, keep the victory from service to service. Years ago, you could uh, pray through on a Sunday night, and by Wednesday night, you were still shouting. In today's world and the pressures of Satan and spirits, you can praise, praise God and worship here and almost be lost by the time you reach the parking lot. Hello? It doesn't mean that we're just more carnal. It means that spirits are doing everything they can in the last days to defeat us. And so the only way I know to, cop, to uh, come against spirits is to talk about them. To call them by name, hello, preach about them, and say, by God's help, we're going to recognize the enemy. John nineteen sixteen. Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross, 
Everybody say his cross. Went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. And when they crucified him, pardon me, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And I want you to look at that last part of verse 18. On either side one, and Jesus in the midst. On either side one, and Jesus, amen, in the midst. And I want to preach tonight for just a little while on the thought, don't touch the third cross. Don't touch the third cross. Pastor, would you pray again? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Most everyone in the world that has any idea of religion at all recognizes a cross. If you go down the street on some churches, you will see what is called, I suppose, the Christian cross. Some churches, there is a church in the bay that has three crosses. And whenever they place three crosses on a building, it seems like they always want to take the middle cross and make it higher. They call it the Church of the Three Crosses. I don't know if that's the name of it. But it's very, it's, uh, very beautiful to look up on a hill and see this huge uh, building and all of the landscaping. But where all those freeways come together, there are not only the building and the landscaping, but these three huge crosses that's on the hill. Well, I have never been a believer in putting crosses on buildings. I don't like pictures of Jesus because nobody knows what he looks like. Amen. In fact, everyone paints a picture much, much different than Isaiah paints. Isaiah said, uh, when you see him, it will not be his physical appearance that will draw you to him. There is nothing beautiful about him. But when man paints in his imagination a picture of Jesus Christ, he wants to paint something beautiful. And uh, so they depict Jesus Christ in the traditional setting, and then I've seen him in other paintings at stores. But none of them really know what he looks like. And when men build buildings and they want the world to know that that is a Christian church, they'll put a cross on the outside. Well, the cross did not crucify Jesus Christ. If we were going to put some kind of uh, representation of Calvary up there, we probably should put a nail. 
Because the nail really went into the flesh. The cross was just the means of support. But people have missed. They have absolutely missed the whole purpose of a cross. Hello? There was a tree, a cross. I've studied it out and there were several styles that it could have been. So nobody knows exactly even what the cross would look like if we were trying to make a representation of it today. But I'm not interested in the wood on Calvary. I'm not interested in the position of the crosses except the writer was careful to say that as those three men were placed there that day, Jesus Christ was in the center or the midst. Now, he was God in flesh. He was Messiah to Israel. And I'm sure that God in his planning and in his purpose had Christ crucified in the center cross for that purpose. I believe that. But I believe there's more to Calvary tonight. And there's more to a cross tonight than a piece of wood, a nail. That there's more to it in the life that I'm living almost 2,000 years separated from Calvary. In Mark, Jesus said, Mark 8, 34, 35, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also. Now this is to everybody now. The people and the disciples. Sometimes he just talked to the disciples. And then that's for everyone later. But here, Mark specifically tells us that the people were there and the disciples. He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Where's your cross tonight? Do you have a piece of wood with you? Anybody bring a cross tonight? Hello? Some of the strangest people wear crosses. I think I heard that Madonna wears a cross. She needs more than a cross. If I would have said that in some places, they would have said, yeah, here I've got it around my neck. I've got a cross. Here I've got it on a pin. Jesus said, you need a cross. Amen. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake. David Koresh lost his life for his sake. Don't count. What they were trying to do was keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> I saved that one for tonight. <laughs> and so... <laughs> just forget him. His wife has. 
Jesus said, you need a cross. And you need to lose your life, not for your sake, but for my sake. Now let me say something here. I am not holy for my sake. I am holy for his sake. I don't dedicate my life for my sake. I dedicate my life for his sake. I don't sacrifice or consecrate for my goodness or for you to think anything of me. But my life, I pray, is for his sake. For whosoever shall lose his life for my sake. And the gospels. And the gospels. Not only for God, but for the message, for the plan of salvation. The same shall save it. Number one, he called all the people. Everyone, everyone, everyone must take up a cross. Everyone in this building must take up a cross. Somebody said, I don't want to take up a cross. Well, then you'll be lost. It's more than signing a piece of paper, shaking a preacher's hand. It's more than repentance. It's more than baptism. It's more than the Holy Ghost. Hello, good preaching. Hello, it's a cross. You've got to have a cross. Number two, he lays down the terms of service so no one will be without knowledge of its nature. What is the service? It'll be self-denial and cross-bearing. We live in a religious world today that want to do the least possible and be saved. Go to church the least amount of time, spend the least amount of time, and do the least amount of service, but still want to go to heaven. But Jesus said, I want to tell you what the kingdom is going to be. You need a cross, and it's going to be self-denial, and it's going to be cross-bearing. Number three, listen to this. The cross is to be taken voluntarily. He does not force the cross on you. Amen. Somebody said, well, you people are a cult. I said, my God, sir, a cult. We lose more people than we ever keep. We got a door that swings both ways. Somebody said, why, why doesn't everybody that get the Holy Ghost stays around? I'll tell you why. You know, how many want to know why? Because all other churches deal with hypocrites, and so hypocrites are comfortable. But the true apostolic church doesn't deal with hypocrites. See? You could be a Mormon or a Jack Mormon. A Jack Mormon is someone that's not really a good Mormon. My problem is, and if you're a Mormon tonight, I, that's fine. How many know how they got their name? Used to have a lot of women, they kept saying Mormon. But my experience is, I have always found more Jack Mormons. I have always worked with Jack Mormons. They say, well, I'm not really a good Mormon. You can be a Baptist and always be a Baptist. Once saved, always saved. Hello. But there's something about being apostolic. You're either in or you're out. You're either saved. And so our outs and our jack apostolics don't stick around. They're uncomfortable. Well, I'm going to preach tonight. 
That's why the charismatic church is so popular. They never preach anything to make anyone uncomfortable. So everyone can go there, live any kind of love, life, hear about love and how good God is and God is love and God is love. And I said, isn't that wonderful? God is several things. God is light. God is spirit. God is love. And God is holy. You can't take love away from God, neither can you take holiness away from Him. Hello? It's a package deal. <laughs> and so He doesn't force Himself. See, God doesn't force Himself on you. Number four, the cross is associated with what? I love it. Let me hear your choir, Pastor, see if I want to come to your church. Let's hear your music. Where's your gymnasium? Where, where's your basketball court? Uh, what nights are our youth programs? What night is this? Do you know what Jesus said? I'll tell you our, our, our social functions. It's death, sorrow, grief, persecution, affliction, temptations. People have missed the concept of the church they have missed the concept of salvation what a foolish world that preaches a prosperity doctrine that everyone can have everything yet the man that died to make it real had only one coat and was buried in a borrowed tomb and all his followers died martyrs except for John and so the cross is associated with death and sorrow and grief and persecution and affliction and temptation. Somebody said, isn't there fun in this? Only if you're really saved. Isn't there joy in this? Only if you're really saved. Isn't there peace in this? Only if you're really saved. Isn't there a good feeling? Only if you're really saved. Isn't this a great thing? Only if you're really saved. The goodness of this salvation only comes after the death and the sorrow and the persecution and the temptation. Hello. Number five. Luke adds in his gospel daily. Not just Sunday. Somebody said, uh, what about the Sabbath? I said, what do you mean what about the Sabbath? I said, well, what about serving God on the Sabbath day? Isn't that the right day? I said, well, I'm Seventh-day Pentecost. I said, I serve God seven days. Sabbath means rest. And Isaiah said with stammering lips and another tongue. The book of Hebrews said we have entered into his rest. I'll tell you what it is. I'll give it to you again. Well, I could preach tonight. We're the only church in the world that answers everybody's question. The Sabbath, Seventh day Adventists say, well, you're supposed to go to church on Saturday. Why? Because that's a day of rest. And we can show them in Scripture that we have entered into not just a day of rest, but we have entered into an experience of rest through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Jehovah Witnesses said there's no Trinity. But I can show them, sir, there's no Trinity. But you've missed it. You don't know who Jesus is. 
He is not an angel. He is not Gabriel that's come to earth. He's not the second man, Adam, from Adam. He is the God of glory, hallelujah, that has come down and taken on. Praise God. Hallelujah. So there's a cross. So if you go to Calvary 2,000 years ago about, and you'd walk up that hill, you would have seen three crosses. The middle one, Jesus. And on either side, on either side, one. And Jesus in the midst. The cross in the middle, the cross that Jesus was on, Pastor, was the cross of redemption. Many died on that hill through the years. That was not the only crucifixion. That was a place that was known to crucify. But none of the others we sing about. None of the others we pray to. None of the others can do you any good. But that cross in the midst was a cross of redemption. What can wash away my sins? Blood? No. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin. My blood can't do it. Your blood can't do it. I can't die for my daughter. She can't die for her children. My wife can't die for me. I can't die for her. But one day God veiled himself in flesh. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Trinities would like you to read that like this. For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's the trouble with the world. They have their way of trying to interject their doctrine. Stephen never looked up in heaven and saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. Hello? They want you to believe that when that word God is spoken, that's Father. But their doctrine doesn't say that. Their doctrine says there's only one God. But he has manifested in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So my question is, for God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So love the world. They gave the fourth one. Somebody said, isn't that wonderful that God gave his son? I said, well, I don't think that's so great. God in his air-conditioned office with his feet up on his desk saying, come here, son. I love the world so much. You go die and I'll stay right here. If they're co-equal, and co-eternal, why didn't he come? He did. I said he did. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. What died that day? The flesh died. 
not the second person of a trinity. God can't die. One-third of him can't die. Two-thirds can't die. Four-fifths can't die. God can't die. He's everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God, Moses said in the Psalms. Hello. He loved us with an everlasting love. What died? The flesh died. What did God give? God, spirit, gave flesh. And so cross number one was the cross of redemption. Cross number two, Mark 15, 32. And they, everybody say they. Does everyone know what they means? More than one? And they that were crucified with him reviled him. That meant to begin with both thieves. Both thieves, both other crosses reviled him, began to curse. Matthew tells us, chapter 27, 44, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Thieves, plural. But something happened. It seems at first both thieves joined with the mob. But Luke 23, 42 says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Cross number one, redemption. Cross number two, repentance. Cross number one, I must have in my life for redemption. Cross number two, I must have. Remember what I'm preaching. Don't, don't touch the third cross. This man joined the mob, cursing Christ. But somewhere, he got a revelation of what was happening. And he said, oh, remember me. Lord. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, what? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Repentance. Now this was before the crucifixion, before the burial, and before the resurrection. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so before Jesus was buried and rose again, he just needed repentance. Hello? Is that all right? You can't be saved today like that thief. But you still need repentance. But I want to talk a little bit about the third cross. Luke 23, 39. And one of the malefactors, one of the thieves, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. If you really are who you say you are, then you save yourself. Now you hear me? If you don't get anything else that I preach tonight, I want you to get this. Hello? God will not force himself on you, but you must do your part to be saved or you'll be lost. He said if you really are who you are, save us. But he was only interested in physical salvation get us off the cross but the other thief said there's something here more 
than the physical life. And remember me, Lord, when you go into your kingdom. And today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Cross number one. Everybody say redemption. Cross number two. Everybody say repentance. But don't touch the third cross. I said there's spirits. There's spirits that come in under our doors and sit in our pews. There's spirits that fight you in your home. There's spirits on your job. There's spirits at school. There's spirits in our organization. Redemption, repentance, and the last one, the cross of rebellion. Redemption, repentance, rebellion. Listen to me. If thou was Christ, if thou was Christ, be Christ. He was bitter. He's spurning the good even the day of his dying. The cross of rebellion. Are you listening? I'm not talking about the sinner. I'm talking about the church saint of God that comes into the church and reaches the first cross and touches it for redemption and reaches the second cross and touches it for repentance. But don't stop there. But yet I've seen them. Hello? That they go from the first cross to the second cross and they go to the third cross and they touch the cross of rebellion. Now I'm going to tell you some pretty heavy things tonight. And uh, you're just going to have to kind of weigh them out yourself because you're going to stand before God in judgment, as I will for preaching it. But I've come to the conclusion there are two kinds of backsliders. There's the backslider that, for some reason, loses heart or gets discouraged or because of family or pressures, they quit. But if you go talk to them, Hi, uh, Mission Sunday School. Tears will come down to their cheeks. They'll say, um, "Yeah, uh, we'll come. We're, someday I'm going to be back." I know. I know. We're. I know I'm wrong, Pastor. I'll be back. And then there's the second backslider that touches the third cross. He or she goes past redemption and past repentance and delves into rebellion. Oh yes, they have a cross. They have a cross. Did you hear me? The cross of redemption, the cross of repentance, they have a cross. It's a cross of rebellion. Sometimes they bring it to church. Now, I don't know who, I don't know any of you. This pastor, we didn't even talk about you tonight. I spent all day up on the, on the roof. I thought the rapture was coming and he got me up there to be closer. I don't know. Someone said, you're sunburned. I said, well, he sure didn't take me to the beach. And I don't do nothing. I don't know how to do nothing. I just talked. 
he did all the work. Once in a while I held something for him or did a little something, but I, I am I, Shannon, I'm no good at working, am I, like that, with tools. I don't, like, I don't know why God ever made tools. <laughs> so I don't know you tonight. But remember what I say, if the shoe fits what? Buy the pair. Amen. Get the whole message. So if I'm preaching to you, thank you, Jesus. If I'm not, maybe it'll help you next week. Because I've seen good people go from cross one to cross two to cross three. I've seen some of the best, and even an organization now, Pastor, when you think about it. They are rebelling against standards and rebelling against principles and rebelling against ideas. Hello! What has happened? They've gone past cross one. They've gone past cross two. Oh, I'm trying to hurry, but let me tell you some things. There's nothing more dangerous than getting saved. Because if you're not careful in your excitement and in your enthusiasm, you can go past the Word of God. You can run faster than the Holy Ghost. You can bypass. That's why God's given you a pastor. Hello? I said, that's why God's given you a pastor. I know people that have got a hold of the revelation of Jesus Christ, and pretty soon they got such crazy revelations that they didn't even know anything. They ran so fast. That's what I'm preaching. Stop with the second cross. Don't go past it. See, they still have a cross. They're still claiming to be a Christian. I follow but I really don't like where we're going. I'm doing it. But I don't like what I'm doing. I follow. Here's my cross. I'm following. But I really think I could lead better. I've had people say, well, I'd like to tell you something. I said, well, I'd like to tell you something. I'm the one in charge here. Anything with more than one head's a monster. I'm not infallible. I'll make mistakes. We'll have to come back off dead end streets and get back on the... I'm sorry. I've made mistakes. I'm, I'm, I'm human. But God put me in a charge of a church and I've done my very best to, to, to be faithful to that charge. I'll follow. Hello. But I'll complain about everything while I'm following. Israel going through the wilderness. All they did was grumble. From miracle to miracle. Not from defeat from defeat. Did you hear me? They didn't go from defeat to defeat to defeat. They went from victory to victory to victory. And from victory to victory they complained. Two, he, two of the ten spies said, we're well able to take the land. You know why? They've been paying attention. Raise your hand, Shannon. We always took vacations when we were at home. My son and my daughter were sitting in the back seat. Shanna was a sweet little girl. Never said anything except, 
He's on my side. How come I always have the hot side? I don't care what direction I was going in. Shannon was always on the hot side. As soon as we got in the car, what happened, Shannon? Shannon go to sleep. And my son would look out the window. And if she was awake, you're on my side. It's hot. And then she'd go back to sleep. I could have driven just around the block about a hundred times and said, Shannon, we're there. And she wouldn't have known the difference. She just slept. That must have been what Israel did. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, don't you remember the Red Sea? Don't you remember the water coming out of a rock? Don't you remember the bitter water turned sweet? Don't you remember the manna? That God that led us across the sea and gave us water out of a rock and brought us manna can take care of the giants. He can take care of the walled cities. Somebody said, wow, I don't know if I can make it. Haven't you been awake? God's been doing good for you. He's been blessing you and healing you and keeping you and touching you. Wake up. Look out the window. Man was going down the street. He said, his wife was sitting over by the window. She said, you know, honey, when we used to go down the street in a car, I used to sit by you. He said, I haven't moved. <laughs> God's the same. Hello? You know what I tell people when I preach? Don't get mad at me. I'm just the mailman. You don't shoot the mailman when he brings you a Sears bill, do you? When you get a bill, do you go out and shoot the mailman? I'm just a mailman. I said, don't get mad at me. Go home and tell God you don't like it. I said, you're chicken to do that, aren't you? You're afraid he'll zap you. Lightning come down and go zap. This is a crummy job. The better you do, the less you make. <laughs> the doctor can poke you and punch you, and the dentist can make you feel bad and send you a bill and make you pay for it. The preacher can poke you, and you get mad and don't even pay your tithes. No wonder Paul made tents. Now, it's not a crummy job as far as God's concerned. But boy, I'll tell you, no wonder some preachers are compromising. No wonder some are not preaching hard anymore. Just leave it alone. I've got to pay for my car. I've got to pay for my house. Somebody has to. 
I got a guy in my church. I've been there two years and three months. He hasn't paid tithes yet. In one three-month period, I mean, he has a good job. I mean, he shouts, talks in tongues, runs aisles. He finally quit that because of my preaching. He said, I don't want to do that until I can start paying tithes. I said, well. In one three-month period, he gave us $5. And I was figuring up the bills, and to run our air conditioning in the summer, it gets 120 sometimes where I live. To run the air conditioning in the summer cost $4 and some odd cents. And I figured in three months, he paid for one lousy hour of air conditioning. Hello? And I, I like to, I, I have, I've told him, I said, I want you to know, I'm sorry. But PG&E doesn't just say, paid in full. You're, oh, we love you, Brother Bagley, paid in full. God bless you. I got a little old congregation, but with my missions and my payments, it cost me $1,300 a month to keep the doors open before I get a cent. So he gave us $5 in three months. But if I preach on tithing, guess what? Wow! He's after me. My God, what do you think I am? He's got cancer, but don't tell him. He's got cancer, but don't tell him. He's got cancer, cancer, don't tell him. Oh, you're well. You're in very good shape. You're going to live to be alone. Do you think this man gets up on Sunday morning and gets out of bed and goes, hee, 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 I get him again today. I want to tell you, and I'm not just saying this, this man loves you. He brags on you. He is thrilled to be your pastor. He's thrilled with the progress of the church. He loves you. So when he preaches straight, I'm telling you, I got friends that don't preach anymore straight. I mean, I, I mean, it, it's terrible. What is it? Rebellion is an uprising or organized organized opposition intended to change or overthrow, overthrow an existing government or ruling authority. Isn't that something? An organized uprising intended to change or overthrow an existing authority. It's an act or show of defiance towards authority. Rebellion is defiance of authority. Now I'm just going to preach a little bit in close, so I'm just going to forget my notes. Do you know what the difference between David and Saul was? Saul never, never did the things David did. David was a bad guy. David was in trouble a lot of times. But we never think of that. We think of David as a hero, and so did Israel, and so did the New Testament church. So do we. 
Do you know what the difference was? I'll show you. Saul was never spiritual. The man was never spiritual. They're looking for his father's donkeys. And the servant said, there is a man in this town, the prophet Samuel. There's a man in this town that can tell you where your father's donkeys are. Saul walks up to Samuel and said, Sir, can you tell me where the seer's house is? The servant knew about Samuel, but Saul, are you ready? It was years before Saul ever even built an altar. Oh yeah, after he got anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he prophesied and the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible said, changed him into another man. Are you listening? What are you preaching? Some of us weren't spiritual when we walked in the door. We didn't know anything. We didn't know who Elijah was, Isaiah was. I got a man in my church that's ordained preacher and a school teacher. And I said, I want you to read for me tonight. And I wrote down a lot of scriptures. And one scripture I wrote down was Hosea 2 and 1. I mean, uh, Hezekiah 2 and 1. And he was reading and reading, and he got to that one, and I almost fell over. He got... Man, he was looking for it. And I didn't embarrass him, but I got, he got tickled. He laughed. I laughed, and then I went on. Saul didn't know anything, and God changed him. But when God changed him, he still didn't become spiritual. It came time for the offering. The prophet was late. So what did Saul do? I'll just do it. That's not a bad deal. The preacher's late. I'll preach. Yeah, I could preach, you know. They were having a revival, one Pentecost church, and, and the woman was always trying to get her husband to come to church, said, why don't you come to church? Come to church. She says, you're always after me. Said, so finally he got so mad, he said, I can preach as good as that evangelist. She said, oh, don't say that. You'll be struck down. Oh, don't say that. He said, I can. I can preach as good. I don't go down there. I can preach as good as that preacher. She said, no, you can't. He said, I can't do I'll tell you. I'll show you. He said, one day there was a man hunting. And he was hunting deer. And he was going through the forest with his rifle. And he was being careful not to make any noise. All of a sudden he saw deer. And he raised his gun. And he shot. And the deer fell over dead. She said, you can preach, can't you? And so... <laughs> and so... Saul said, let me be priest for a minute, prophet. He was told to kill all of Agag and all of the Amalekites. And there's a whole story there. And he, did, he didn't do it. And God said, just tell him that's the end. Why? For rebellion... Is as a sin of witchcraft. 
Come here. Sit right here. How many of you would let her practice witchcraft here every service? You'd say, hey, pastor, we're not coming to this church. You're going to let a witch practice witchcraft while we're singing to God and praising God and having song service and having altar service. Hello? You'd say, hey, kids, don't mess. Hey, bring your family. Hey, you sit not from her. But the Bible said rebellion. Thank you, sister. The Bible said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Oh, we don't want witches. I don't want rebellion. It can destroy. It can ruin faster. Hello? Than witchcraft. What was it about Saul? I'll tell you. He never got it in here. He only got it in here. I'm king. But David committed adultery and committed murder and numbered the people and on and on and on. But when Nathan talked to him and when others would talk to him and when God would talk to him, one time he numbered Israel and his heart just smote him. Hello? And he knew right then. And he said, I fall into your hands, God. I'm sorry. Do whatever you want to do with me. I, I've messed up. What was it? I'm telling you tonight. God doesn't care about failure. He can correct failure. He can forgive failure. He can forgive sin. But he has trouble with rebellion. Hello? I tell my church, if you fall, fall forward. You're still going in the right direction. Come back to church. I don't care what you did. Come back to church and pray through and start living for God again. Don't let the devil defeat you. Don't quit. Don't go out the door. Hello? You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. But God help us not to touch the third cross. And in the midst of revival, in the midst of salvation, become rebellious. I'm telling you something. I know families that have rebelled at the pastor and rebelled at the church and talked about the church in front of their families for years. And finally their children didn't want to go to church anymore. And they ran to the pastor and said, Pastor, help me. Johnny doesn't want to come anymore. Mary's got a sinner boyfriend. Help me. Help me nothing, sir. For years you have been sowing rebellion into your children. Can I preach? Achan, Korah, read it. When God said, destroy them, he said, what? Destroy the whole family. Why would God say, get those little kids out there? Why would God say, come bring your wife and your little babies and all your family? Man, Achan, you blew it. We're going to stone you, but bring all. Bring your dad and bring your mother. Why? Because it's a spirit. And spirits breed spirits. And God said, the only way we'll kill this spirit that's already been breeding in this family. 
Hello. Stone them all. Now you can disagree with it, but remember this. It's not whether it's fair or not, it's whether it's truth or not. The world deals with fairness, God deals with truth. And what you might not think is fair, may God may think is truth. No, David had a heart that said, cleanse me, wash me, look inside, God, do, do what you have to do, God, whatever it is, whatever it is. And God said, that's a man after my own heart. Now, honest, honest, I'm telling you something. I would have picked Saul. He was a better guy. His mistakes didn't seem half as bad. Murder and... Hello? But God said, I don't judge as man judges. I look on the heart. And he has a heart that's soft and what? Repentive. Somebody said, oh, I'm always at the altar. Oh, thank God for the second cross. Thank God for the first cross. I can go to the altar and say, God, forgive me. I messed up. Thank you, Lord. You all looking at me like you're perfect. There's none of us here that haven't messed up. And with God, no mess up is big or little. It's all the same. We're all the same height at Calvary. All sin's the same. Liars, cheats, murders, they're all thrown in the same bag. There's a spirit in the world of rebellion. If you don't believe it, go to the schools. If you don't believe it, read your newspaper. Countries rebelling. Nations rebelling. Youth rebelling. Where I'm going to, where I'm pastoring in the town next to me, they passed a ordinance. You can't wear your hat. You can't wear a hat, a cap. You can't wear some kind of, of, uh, of colors. You can't wear some jackets because they're gang-related. You ought to read the paper. Oh, they're taking away our... I mean, mothers and... Oh, they're taking away our constitutional rights. No, ma'am. You don't understand. There's a spirit to all of that. It's a spirit of rebellion. Did you hear me? Drugs. Drugs is a spirit of rebellion. Rock music is a spirit of rebellion. There's spirits there. It's not just the tune. It's not just the, the, the jacket. It's not just the alcohol and the drugs. It's a spirit. What's the spirit? It's anti-God. It's anti-revival. It's anti-church. Hello? Now I'm done, but let me tell you something. Alcohol is wrong. You know what alcohol is? Alcohol is the devil's substitute for the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, hello, they did not dance like David. They did not say, wow, Jewish worship. 
Got people in our organization teaching us to dance like Jews. And David, I said, man, he didn't even have the Holy Ghost. I want to dance. I want to dance like they did in the day of Pentecost. Hello? Rock and roll music is a devil substitute for a good Sunday night Pentecostal service. You turn off the music of a, of a rock concert and look at it. It looks like a Pentecostal service. Hello? But the Holy Ghost works in submission and the world works in rebellion. Did you hear me? God blesses you as you submit to Him. The world blesses you as you rebel against God. Rebellion is the third cross. I've had people that I pastored and I've always tried even if they were leaving the church to get them to keep their heart without rebellion hoping someday God will talk to him. Someday we can reach him again. Someday we can snag him. Oh, I missed that one. It was, he tripped and this one failed and they shouldn't have done it, but they did it. But I'll tell you, when they rebel, you think you know And then they go to someplace else and they say, Oh, Pastor, he didn't understand me. And I've been saving my tithes. Hello. They don't, you don't, hey, sir, sir. If you can't live under me, that's fine. I can't pastor everybody. That's fine. But don't take rebellion with you, sir. Because you can be nice and honey-coated and say, oh, we love you. But the seed of rebellion has not been repented of. The seed of rebellion has not been taken of. And I'm going to leave you with this. The district board was having a meeting several years ago, almost 20 years ago. And as we, we, I was a board member then, and I've been a board member. Sometimes Brother Price will say, somebody give a thought, and just kind of a little devotion, and we pray, and then we start in doing the work of the business. Someone asked this question. Did anyone in the Bible ever rebel and then repent? Did anybody ever have rebellion and straighten out their life? 
And those ministers, some of the best in the world, Brother Gray, some of the best men in, in Pentecost, sat there thinking. And they came up with one example. And I'm not sure it's even the best. But the two men, and one said, I'll not go, and the other said, I would. And the one that said he wouldn't go went, and the other one didn't. And that's the only illustration out of the whole book. Saul died falling on his sword. Hello? Solomon died in rebellion. You read of Ahab and the kings of Israel and most of the kings of Judah. Hello? When they rebelled, they didn't turn back to God. There wasn't a great revival. Most all of them rebelled. Now, I'm going to be careful when I say this, and you're going to have to qualify it, okay, and fix it up. Everybody has rebellion in them. Come on, don't look at me like that. Everybody has a little bit of me in them. We've all been like this. If you're a mama, watch it. You're getting near my kids. Hello. Watch it. You're hitting my fishing. Come on, don't look at me like that. I'm not your pastor. I said, everybody has a little bit there. That's why Jesus said, die. Deny yourself. Deny what? You know, deny the rebellious part of you and say, God, I don't ever want to be the person that touched the third cross. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray in a minute. I want you to pray. It doesn't mean we won't get hurt. We'll all get hurt sometimes. Somebody will hurt my feelings. Somebody will hurt your feelings. We'll all get hurt sometimes. But I don't want to rebel. I don't want to rebel. God, I've got to be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I preached this sermon at Brother Nate Wilson's church about two years ago. When I got through, Brother Nate Wilson, and he had three, four, five hundred people there that night. He said, I don't know of anybody here that that sermon was for. But someday you may need it. And we, we probably had the best older service of that revival that night. And I thought, okay, God, that's fine. The next night when I got to revival... Brother Wilson said, come here, come here. Come in my office. I said, what? He said, I have a woman 
that moved from Michigan with me. And that woman has never, never submitted herself to me. She has, her, she has ruined her family. She has ruined her kids. She has ruined her husband. And said, you know what? Last night, she came to me and said, Brother Wilson, I'm sorry. I've been miserable. I've been a bad saint. And in the flesh, he, hadn't even, he had already discounted her probably. He just said, there's nobody here. But somehow, the Spirit of God went after one soul. But I'm telling you, it may not be for anybody here tonight. But listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm being honest. That Spirit is in our ranks. That Spirit sits in our pews. That Spirit's among some ministry. Is that all right to say that? That Spirit is... is is here and God help me not to be sucked in by the third cross come on let's pray God we need you tonight thank you for this good church help us to stay away from the third cross God thank you for redemption thank you for repentance thank you God Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Oh, Jesus, make me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Help me to be more like Oh, let's talk to the Lord, church. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. with just a little tiny ill feeling and it has to be shared with somebody to see if they feel the same. And then, of course, the two get the feeling and then begins the open and the end result is someone to be lost. Oh, God, touch my heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Does anyone feel like they need to talk to God? And if there's a spirit that is drawing you into that feeling of ill feeling and rebellion, I wonder if somehow God would change my thoughts, my mind, my feelings. Oh, let's love him some more, church. Let's love him some more. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, let's stand tonight and let's just, let's just close the door to our closet and let's, let's talk to God in our own privacy right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Master Lord. 
to be more like me. Let me come up higher till I face my dream. Make me what I ought to be. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you lord prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving i'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you hallelujah Lord hallelujah Lord Praise God. Brother James, I need you just for a minute. Hallelujah. Brother James, if give me your arm here just a minute. If you had if you had in this hand, in this arm, a cancer, and it was going up your arm at a rapid rate of speed. You don't want to lose your arm. It's very helpful to you. So you're going to go to a doctor and you say, look, something's wrong with my arm. And it's just deteriorating and he diagnosed it and it's already lost control. It's already all the nerves, all the the bone is, is rotting and and you know it's going to be cut off. Amputate. There's no no choice. Now, Doc, from my elbow down is rotten. But from my elbow up, it's good. Since I'm gonna lose some of my arm, I wanna keep as much as I possibly can. So if it goes up to my elbow, 
would you come down about an inch or so and just cut off this part? Because above my elbow, it's all good. But I don't want you to cut any of my good. From my elbow down, it's all rotten. So come down below my elbow and cut it off because I don't want to lose any good. Now, is that where you want it cut? Where do you want to cut? You want to cut it beyond? Beyond? Well, you know, if I cut it beyond there, it's going to be in your good nerve. It's going to be in your good muscle. It's going to be in your good flesh. If I cut it down here in your old, I won't bother your new flesh. Are you understanding? To be sure you get it all, you got to go beyond what someone else is. Why did they cut so high? That was perfectly good muscle, good nerves. They could have come down a little longer and spared some of that. But if it means life or death to him, go straight to his heart, he don't mind losing a little bit of good to get rid of all the bad. He don't want to leave all, any of the bad to save part of the good. You know what's going to happen if he cuts it off down here and leaves two inches of rot? You know what's going to happen up here? He'll lose it all. So it's better, though some can't understand, why did we have to cut so deep? I don't care where they go in your body to perform a surgery, Whatever is bad, listen to me, whatever is bad, they never cut what's bad. They always cut what's good. If you've got a tumor, they don't get up with one-eighth of the edge of that tumor and cut it out and leave one-eighth ring around there. They go one-eighth beyond the tumor and cut one-eighth of the good off. And then someone complains, well, you know, they were really close to me and they were a good family and they were relatives and, and uh, I don't think it's that necessary and it's not that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother James. Sometime back I had a family come to my home. Brother Bagdon just brought it out. And they were talking with me, and they told me that they had not paid tithes where they were going for quite some time. And said, but we didn't, you know, we put them away, and we saved them when they're stacking up. And then they said, you know, we... Uh, wanted to take a little vacation we didn't have the money so we reached into where that tithe was stacked up and we got that and we took a vacation I was sitting in my chair my wife would verify if you want to question her when they told me they took their tithe to take a vacation I, I thought I was going to get up and go to the other room. I got sick 
physically sick. I said, no. Bad enough you're not paying tithes. But then to take those tithes and use them to go on vacation. I feared for their spiritual soul, their physical being, their total welfare. I know folks that take vacation on preacher's tithes. And every time vacation comes around, some folks just, they don't even thank the preacher for sending them on vacation. So they said, well, we, we put it all back. We, 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 we scrounged around and put it all back. And they, they said, now, can we give these to you? I said, nothing doing. <laughs> no, you're not buying me. I don't care how much it is. I don't want to know. I don't care how much you've accumulated. But I, I don't want that. Those don't belong to me. They belong to someone else. And they said, oh, please, let me write you a check, give you cash, whatever. Nothing doing. Not me. I'm going to tell you something, friend. This preacher is not preaching for money. I could have used it. I could have enjoyed it. But, friend, I'm not touching that kind of money. You know, it was Judas that got some blood money. And when he saw what was happening, he went back and threw his money back and wanted him to take it back. He said, I, I can't touch this money. I feel guilty. I feel dirty. I, I just can't have it. And they said, sorry, what's done is done. Hallelujah. That spirit of rebellion will cause you to do lots of things. And the end result is that it cause you to be lost. Oh, thank God for the word tonight. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Brother Bagman preached about that center cross being redemption. Then you walk over this way to repentance. Did you know to get back to that cross you've got to leave repentance? And walk right past redemption. Oh, let's, let's talk to God one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you, Lord. Bless, we pray, every heart and soul. Touch in Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't you reach out and talk to someone tomorrow and tell them to bring, come to the house of the Lord with you. And let's have, let's have some new folks here that need this gospel. Before you go tonight, shake every hand, greet everybody in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.